Welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish. My name is Chris Scott, and Atish and I had a previous podcast called Creativize, Strategize, Synergize, where we have over 50 episodes of content talking about business ideas. And this new podcast is about taking those ideas and turning them into actions. Uh, I guess real quick, you know, what is your post-mortem thoughts on uh, Creativize, Strategize, Synergize, the the podcast we terminated last week and now moving on to our new format, Ramen Profitable. What is your uh, post-mortem thoughts on Creativize, Strategize, Synergize? I was wondering if, I was thinking about this earlier today, I was wondering if it actually has to be dead. Like, why can't we still create stuff for that? Interesting. Uh, okay. Because uh, it does align a lot with uh, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to go for. And I wonder if, you know, I learned about something new here, talking about this new concept that you have, mm-hmm. and maybe I apply it to my business that I'm trying to get going and seeing how it works. So there doesn't, it's not a, it's not mutually exclusive. These things can exist uh, together in the same cinematic universe. Oh, yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I I like that idea. Well, then that I guess um, changes the frame of my line of questioning. Uh, instead of asking what are your post mortem thoughts, it's like, you know, what what are the things that you think that we uh, at least I, I accomplished is a really not great word, uh, but because it's like you know sometimes these things aren't like actually physically tangible. Like it's not like oh we went from Gatlinburg to I don't know. I'm, trying to relate it to my time hiking the Appalachian Trail. That was a whole different oh, thing. That's also a uh, in a Ronnie Millsap song. <laughs> it's a pretty good I, song. I'll send it I'm, to you. It's, yeah, it's really sh- sad. You'll like it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I love terrible music, evidently. Um, but, but okay, so changing my frame of questioning, like instead of, you know, a po- post-mortem, you know, whatever, like what are certainly some things that uh, – you know, whether that's about podcasting, whether that was about, you know, Elephant Scout in particular, whether that was about creating content, like what are some things that you drew out of Creative Eyes that, that you know, has, has kind of uh, either stuck with you or moved something in a direction that, uh, that was a kind of indirect result of that? Uh, I think for me, it was a lot of being consistent and feeling pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. Like always creating something, always putting something out there every week and just keeping up with that. I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning it made me feel productive, but towards the end I felt like, where are we going with this? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that ultimately stems from, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm completely uh, off base on this, but I think that there are, I think one of the things that contributes to that is that I, you and I listen to completely different podcasts, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Like, uh, you're a, you're a radio lab type of person, or I don't know, what are you, or you, oh, you I listen mostly to, to like filmmaking podcasts. Yeah. Filmmaking stuff, some news stuff, but nothing really self-help, polit- not self-help getting better business-based stuff. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot of filmmaking stuff, but mm-hmm. it's all about making your bed, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which, uh, that, that certainly, uh makes me think of a lot of things but so i i guess uh i guess then what what i'd be curious it's like what do you listen to podcasts and this is this is getting me this line of questioning is getting me around to something that you know is kind of the overarching question of this but like what do you listen to podcasts purely for like for entertainment for instruction for a combination of the two for ideas like what's your uh what's your kind of main drive I guess it's to uh, keep me informed on topics that I relate to and like in a business I'm trying to work in, uh, Mm -hmm. I keep, I want to kind of stay at like the forefront of like knowing things and how people are thinking about how things are done nowadays, Mm -hmm. uh, how it compares to being, how it was done in the thirties to now. I like, that's the kind of stuff I like to listen to. Interesting. So, so like a form of education basically. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I guess like you know, people use like people read the newspaper every day, so they keep up on the news. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I right. think of as podcasts. It's not so much a, uh, like going to a class, but it's like staying informed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and that's 
you know, uh, I think a really important thing, like whether whether it is staying informed or whether it is actually like some kind of milder form of education, like not like going to a class, but it's like people aren't going to class anymore, you know, or at least uh, it's going to be a very. So now that most uh, education is at least put on the Internet, it really kind of begs into question, like what is what makes the lines between a formal education and something a little bit more um, off the beaten path, but maybe something that's possible in our in our current like digital landscape. So so that's I mean, that's a topic for a different different discussion. But I was just kind of curious about like what your uh, affinities were for podcasting and what your kind of ideation around that is because I think that that ultimately shapes the decisions that you and I are making but maybe we're making unspoken I well I think for me when we first started the other podcast it was about trying to get things more organized and rolling like out of my head and onto paper type of thing Mm -hmm. and like out in the world so it's kind of we were secreting and uh just keeping all those (laughs) that's uh, such a disgusting word (laughs) Uh, just, you know, putting it out there in the universe it was like, maybe this will happen. And I do think because of that, I was able to write a business plan and I feel more focused and more aligned with where I want to go as opposed to just just guessing, you know, I'm going to try this way or I'm going to try that way. No, I'm, I have a focused vision and now I feel more it's more obtainable because it's focused as opposed to just floating down the river. <laughs> so it, it provided structure for you then like it, it provided kind of like a way for you to put ideas out there and then immediately kind of hold yourself accountable and execute against them right I mean talking through a lot of ideas and topics and methods and books all the stuff that we talked about definitely got all the gunk out of the way to where I can get down to the real stuff that I should be talking about Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cl- definitely clears the runways. See, what's interesting about that, and and this is kind of how this relates into uh, the, it's, and I mean, this then begs the question, it's like, all right, if both podcasts will be existing simultaneously, which I think is a great idea, it's like, are we now creating a podcast network? Like, is don't, that ultimately what's... Don't, don't go, don't go crazy, dude. <laughs> I'm going crazy. I'm going, I'm going oh, all the you're way. Going crazy. Uh, I guess technically, yes. I mean, two podcasts on that we both create. I guess that we're hosting. They can just be two. They can just be two podcasts in the same universe. It doesn't have to be. Uh, doesn't have to be anything more than that. But uh, I, I that it it was just kind of curious to me, or I was curious to bring those sort of questions up because that was for me. I think something that I learned. Like if I'm looking back at. Uh, creative I strategize synergize a lot of that for me was uh, I think maybe served a different purpose that's aligned like very much in the same spirit of what you're talking about but for me it's it's a lot of different other things like I think a lot of if you listen to a lot of backlog episodes a lot of my kind of arc unintended like not arc because it's not written it's not scripted or anything like that which like maybe that <laughs> should be a thing but um but like you know, a lot of what my whole arc is, is coming into a belief that I can actually do any of these things. And I think that that's the main thing that happened with, because in, I'm, I'm not, you know, a filmmaker, I'm not a producer of anything. Like I don't create anything. You know what I mean? Like Uh I, a great deal of the work that I do, whether it's for the company that I do it currently or, you know, with any other project that I've been involved in, it's very like, behind the scenes, paperworky, you know, that kind of stuff. So for me, it was actually being a component to a creative process in and of itself was something completely new. And so like how that would end up opening up the doors and like for brief periods of time, I'd be like flirting with the ideas of, you know, oh, I would maybe like to do this or I'd maybe like to do that. But all of that was always kind of... um was always kind of shadowed with a whole lot of doubt and a whole lot of like thoughts around the idea of like, oh, I don't know if someone like me could do this because of X, Y, and Z, right? So for me, Creative Eye Strategize and Synergize was really kind of about like allowing myself to feel as though, or like allowing myself, enabling, I guess would be a better way to put it, enabling myself to feel as though uh, 
you know, these creative pursuits can become tangibly something that could be produced into anything else, you know, as opposed to just like following this kind of like cookie cutter, you know, uh, life plan, which uh, I already haven't to a degree or another. So right. it's, it's, I, I just wanted to like look back on that and think about, you know, kind of what that might have, and I'm not sure if that maybe um, was problematic for the success of a podcast and that it was operating on two different things for you and I, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. No, I don't think so either. But, uh, I do think, I I do think you did grow a lot and you came to terms with a lot of things and you did practice it. And then that's when we stopped podcasting. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 it is kind of a bummer that we didn't really get to like, uh, uh, not recap, but like, you know, showcase. We didn't get a season finale. Mm, yeah, you know what I'm we, saying. Yeah, no, no, no. Where where kind of story arcs are really coming around and uh, kind of closing out in something. Because I feel like you definitely had, you know, you definitely did have a story arc. But I was, yeah. I was kind of, I felt like I was constantly, you know, on a positive progression. But then this new thing happened. Now I feel like I'm back at the bottom. And I feel like you're, you're back at the top, you know what I'm saying? So we kind of switched positions a little bit. Walk me through that. What it, like I, I, I understand what you mean in terms of like our positions on our original story arcs in comparison to where we are now. But like specifically, why do you feel that you're on the like I understand why you feel like you're on the bottom. COVID uh, certainly is a, a large wrench uh, in, in kind of what you're doing, but... But like you don't feel like you've taken a back step or anything, or or do you? I do. I, mean, I do think I feel like I've taken a back step. It's it's because oh, sure. uh, everything that we planned out for the the Harriet movie, it's just like every mm-hmm. oh, everything yeah. we come up with, it's like a new obstacle to come across. And it's like yeah. we had a steady, we had a uphill battle no matter what. But now it feels like we're just climbing straight up a mountain, and it's all yeah. slate and it's all flat rock that you can't really get a grip on. So that's where I feel like I'm at right now and trying to navigate through that and still move forward as opposed to just sitting and waiting, which I feel like I've been doing for the last 10 years. And, <laughs> I just, and I'm at the point where I'm ready to not wait anymore. But now I have to wait because of world circumstances. Yeah, yeah it was. it's a little unclear even like what the right play is right now. And I think that that's why ultimately, I mean, treating yourself with a little bit of uh, empathy or not empathy, but treating yourself with a little compassion and stuff like that for the particular predicament you're in. Right. Because uh-huh. not only theoretically, if you were to shoot something or to create something or whatever, would everyone have to be wearing a mask in order to be safe and would have to be distance six feet apart and stuff like that. Like it's, it's certainly, um, a difficult thing to work around within your industry. But then also on top of that, like, and we covered this. So now I'm, you know, if this isn't a continuation of creative, I strategize and synergize, then just to speak to on what we talked about on the last CSS episode (laughs) is that, you know, uh, that you were making a movie, a a cop movie, essentially. Right. Right. And, and despite the, the kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's a complicated place because your whole mission and your whole, your whole kind of uh, ethos behind elephant scout was all about, you know, diversity and inclusion and all that fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that seems to be running entirely like butting heads with the other half of this movie, which is that it's a cop movie. It's a cop movie that, that certainly puts in the, in the focal point, like, diverse uh people and also perspectives and stuff like that like i remember um in good cop mom cop i thought it was particularly striking that the uh the lawyer uh lawyer or i don't know who it is maybe district attorney yeah 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 with the with the like mohawk (laughs) oh yeah that's the dad that was in uh downshift that was the uncle that was downshift shit i was gonna say mateo yeah and that was not in uh well shit wrong movie but uh point is that also, <laughs> that also kind of struck me that it's like, it's not only just um, actually diverse people and an actually diverse cast and stuff like that, but also implicitly the roles. It's like you're not putting boundaries on 
these people on their roles based on how they look or anything, but rather by the content of their character and yada, 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 which is the right. idea, right? Right. But these two ideas are butting heads with one another specifically. So this is why particularly right now it feels like you're kind of at a standstill. Right. And it's not like, because I feel like the police story, it's the, you know, the classic good guy versus bad guy storytelling, which is a great story uh, tool to really, <laughs> you know, Who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? Who's the protagonist? Who's the antagonist? And it's it's really easy for an audience to digest that. And I think that's why those storylines are so popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's certainly true. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, um, like, like, how do I phrase this without sounding like either A, an idiot or B? You can't. Uh, okay, then I'm just going to go for it. Uh have you seen the trailer for the new Christopher Nolan movie Tenant? Yes. Or Tenet? I'm not sure if it's Tenet or Tenant, but anyways, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, it works forwards and backwards. Yeah. I, oh, is that? Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that, but I get it. Okay. Um, so I have no idea what the movie's about, right? But I saw the trailer, and it's very... Um, it's it's like from you can watch it and just be like, oh, yeah, this is a Christopher Nolan movie. I know it. And to a degree, I, you know, I liked Inception. I wasn't as crazy about it as everyone else was. Um, I thought it really started to get obnoxious around the third act. Like, right, I, right. My interest in the movie just started dropping precipitously as it just went on. But my point is, is that like. I really enjoy what I call like mind fuck movies, you know, like watching Primer or um, Inception to a degree. Uh, what's the other one? The space one? Interstellar. Yes. Don't let me leave Murph. All that whole thing. Right. Um, it's like I like watching those movies, but to a degree it it's exhausting. You know what I mean? It's like I find sometimes those movies to be really exhausting. And that's why something that like even everyone was shitting on the last Jedi, the second, uh, of the new three. Um, uh-huh. I liked it. I don't know what everyone's problem was. I dug it, <laughs> you know? And I don't know if that just makes me very simple or if that's whatever, but to, to your point about these kind of structures of good versus bad and, and, you know, kind of what that means in like shifting it from a black and white perspective. Right. Because that's, you know, Sith versus Jedi, it's, it's in absolutes, but right, figuring right. out the, the world of gray in between. And that's kind of something that the, the elephant scout movies so far have done is that it's like, you know, of course there are these unmoving structures of, of good and evil and all that kind of stuff, but we're working in the reality in between where like, for instance, in downshift, something that could make someone, you know, like that he's very good at and, you know, whatever also, kind of brings on this like terrible time in his life where he steps away from it. And then in order to, in order to uh, fully recognize himself and make the full hero's journey and stuff like that, he has to step willingly step back into it and shit like Uh that, you know? So it's like those kind of movies just end up resonating a little bit more with me. So I I understand you, even though I might be alone on liking the last Jedi, I don't know. Uh, You're not alone, but you're definitely in a small group. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't hang or I don't like watch a lot of the like YouTube videos about this movie was trash and here's why. I I just kind of don't. But but I've heard that it's a controversial opinion. I think what it is about the Last Jedi is that it was kind of like it went rogue. Like it's mm. not part of a nine movie series. Uh, okay. It's like it, it's great if it's its own movie and it's a not standalone. Right. If it what didn't have six movies before it, seven movies before it. And if it didn't have a movie after it, I think it would have been a great movie. Mm, mm-hmm. But it didn't fit in the storyline of the whole saga. Do you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Maybe it's because I ultimately don't really give that much of a shit about right. Star Wars. Right. Like maybe I'm viewing them as independent things as opposed to not. other viewers who are watching them as like a larger, like right. we're watching a, a many movies in a series as opposed to standalone things. Right, right. It's like how you feel about Fast and Furious. Exactly. They're the greatest <laughs> movies ever. Yeah. Well, so pivoting off of uh, creativize, strategize, and synergize, and you know, looking forward into uh, the future of both this 
podcast and potentially creativize, strategize, synergize. One could argue that in the idea of, uh, you know, ramen profitability. So what that means in a general sense, I doubt that anyone would listen to this podcast not knowing what that means. But if they don't, I don't know, whatever. Um, It's like a fancy uh, little buzzword slung around uh, San Francisco uh, that basically just means that your startup or your business or your, you know, whatever it is you're working on uh, has reached a level of sustainability or reached a level of profitability that you can just like, you know, pay your bills and then have some ramen left over. Like that's the idea, right? So the and idea so, is you pay rent, you pay your bills, you pay your loans, right. and you have enough left over to buy a packet of ramen. Exactly, yeah. So it's it's not that, because in Anything like a lot of things are technically profitable, right? Like there's, uh, I have a prime example in my head, but it has to do with my current work. And I don't know if I could, I don't know if I can use that. You know what I mean? But it's like, okay, like imagine you have a product and it's very technically profitable, meaning you are not operating against it at a loss. Um, whether that's hardware or software or, you know, an idea or a creative pursuit or something, it's not operating at a loss. But just because you're profitable doesn't mean you're, you know, all of a sudden a uh, a millionaire. And you see that you see that all the time here or um, I'm coming from uh, Phoenix. And uh, every time you would go to Scottsdale um, for whatever reason that you had to. And maybe this is just, you know, I sound like some angry guy who like hates the other side of town. Like it's very, uh, Simpsons of me, but, but every time you would go to Scottsdale for whatever reason compelled you to do so, for instance, I get my haircut over there. Um, you always see a lot of examples of what I call, uh, $40,000 millionaires. And these people are, um, I don't know, generally operating out of some sort of vanity or something like that in that uh-huh. you know they're driving a nice car they've got really nice shoes or a watch or something like that but if you were to actually check their bank statements they're in complete financial ruin right like that's that's kind of, it's all for that flash and for that image and appearance so i think that that comes into play in terms of like ramen profitability and stuff like that in that you don't want to try and grow your business too fast too soon we saw things like that like with uh we work i don't know if you're familiar yeah i've heard of it so the thing that like WeWork did is super simple product, right? They just buy up floors of of buildings or they buy up the entire building themselves and then they just make like these co-working office spaces there. So you can rent out a desk or you can if you pay a certain, you know, you pay a monthly fee to just be in there at all and they give you all the, you know, staple San Francisco shit like uh cold brew on tap and uh seaweed dried salted seaweed snacks and shit like that you know what i mean like that's that's kind of the thing and then you can use their office space and if you pay a little more you can actually have a dedicated space that's yours for your business or whatever but what happened with them is that they got too kind of uh into their own like oh we're disrupting the the work environment and all that kind of stuff so they just kept going through rounds of funding where they got all this money. And then instead of putting that money back into the business, they were just buying more stuff. Right. So instead of like, uh, you know, okay, how do we refine this product? How do we staff ourselves with the right people that we would need for this, whatever, they just kept buying more tracts of land and just buying more stuff, right? Like more flashy things. So the market cap on them kept expanding and kept increasing, but they just didn't have like an actual tenable product, like nothing that would repeatedly get people to come. So they were Uh operating at a loss, like for a massive amount of time. So in that vein, I would say actually, and the reason why this is, you know, a good way to kind of kick off the, the ramen profitability podcast or the ramen profitable podcast is talking to you, Chris Scott, you, uh, are theoretically ramen profitable. You've been entirely a person independent, like working on your own stuff. Now, not all just the projects you want to be, but you've been working on your own stuff for like how long now? How long have you been an independent employee? Oh, wow. Uh, man, uh, like seven years. Shit. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of freelance. Uh, I guess it started when I started doing the freelance work with the life coaches doing the conferences, Mm -hmm. which are no longer a thing. And, uh, yeah. And doing just like random video production work. Uh-huh. Yeah. So since like 2013-ish. 
So, so for the longest time, you, you haven't had like an employer or like that kind of structure. And that's kind of the, the thing that ultimately makes me the most nervous. You know what I mean? Is that I'm used to operating with, you know, kind of these guardrails in that if, if I was screwing up so terribly, I would know about it. You know what I mean? How do you feel about kind of working outside of that? Does that ever give you any kind of anxiety or are you kind of one of these people who's thrilled by the idea that you don't have these kind of safety measures? Well, I'm not thrilled, but I'm not, I don't think I'm too anxious. Uh, I don't know. I've never like considered myself an, an anxious person. So I don't believe that's the case. I think what it is, it's the, uh, uh, I, I feel like I've been, you know, it's like, it's a roller coaster ride. So I know how the lows feel and I know how the highs feel. So I know at some point a high is going to come in at some point. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't gotten so low to where I need to uh, hop off this train and go work at the post office or something. <laughs> but I but I you know you there are you know months where it's like there's no checks coming in. It's like oh when is the next mm-hmm. check coming in? You just don't know when that's going to happen. And but I, I've I've gotten to the point where that happens less often now. At the beginning, yeah. it felt like every third month I got a paycheck. You know, but now uh-huh. it's like I'm getting a paycheck every couple of weeks, so it's nice. Huh. So. Okay, so first of all, not only just because I know you personally, because it'd be very easy for me to make this uh, assertion about you personally, but from your from your description um, of kind of how you how you ride this out, do you uh, do you follow Stoic philosophy at all? Uh, I assume I do. <laughs> I have no I mean, idea if I do or not. You do without you knowing it, which is the even more impressive part of it is that you know you. Uh, like the the more famous famous like uh, publications are you know Marcus Aurelius Meditations or uh, or there's uh, I got into an argument with my mom about whether or not she I called I said uh, Epictetus Epictetus <laughs> and she or no I said Epic Epis I, I forget whatever anyways you get the idea um, so those no, are the more famous. <laughs> Those are the more, more famous Stoic philosophers, but they basically uh, espouse theories or like statements about things that like it doesn't behoove you to worry so much about things that you can't change. You should only worry about the stuff that you can change um, or like to continue paraphrasing like, um, you know, stop ruminating on what it takes to be a good man, just like be one and things uh-huh. like that. So so or or, you know, one of the more famous things like the idea of memento mori comes from these uh, stoic philosophers who would say it's always important to remember that you are going to die someday so that that way you, during your waking hours, you're working hard on something and you're doing something with purpose. So it seems like you're kind of you're in acknowledging that there are both like highs and lows. It's like you're just able to kind of ride the proverbial surf because you're like, all right, you know, I mean, there's going to be good times, but there's also not going to be good times. So assumedly, when you're in a good time, you're like, I'm going to enjoy this good time and try and get the most out of it. But I also know that bad times are, you know, going to happen as well. Right. Yeah, because I do find that when I get caught up in the worry and the negative of it all and the, oh, this is never going to happen. I do feel like I just realized one day that's just kind of a time waster. It's Mm -hmm. like you can't just stop because, you know, one thing went wrong. You have to Mm -hmm. kind of figure it out, you know, how to work around it, how to keep moving forward. So that's kind of what I've been trying to do the last few years. Yeah, just just uh, persevere regardless of like whatever input. Like, if good things are happening, great. If bad things are happening, I'm still gonna keep keep moving forward. Right. Hmm. Uh, so, do you, would you say that that's gotten easier for you to feel that way over time? Because, like, for instance, one of my major kind of problems, and this and this really kind of hits to the core of of you know the ramen profitable idea, is that like I have a lot of doubt that I even like, I'm always so worried about the end state. You know what I mean? Like I'm worried about like, okay, how much money is this going to cost me going in or what kind of time is this going to take you? Whatever. What if I never make it to this level where I can completely, or I can get off the grid, so to speak, or I can not work for an employer. Like what if I can never get to that state? Like I'm already thinking about that at the inception before anything has been done. Was that something that, you know, you kind of struggled with early on or or have you always kind of had this more healthy relationship between, you know, where you're starting and where you want to be? 
I, th- I think for me at the beginning, it was more of a shoot from the hip type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, let's try this. Or I heard one person say something that sounded reasonable. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to follow that plan. And maybe <laughs> it'll work for me too. Uh, but n- not that much anymore. I don't, I kind of, it's more thought out more. Hmm. So, I, so more directed and like more procedural now, as opposed to before where it was just kind of like test and retest application sort of. Right. Right. Cause when you're awesome. younger, you have, you know, tons of time, you have all the time in the world. Yeah. I, I think that that's something that, you know, looking back and I don't know how I would counsel theoretically my kids on this or how I would counsel, uh, anybody on this, right? Like, let's say this, this podcast goes out to, you know, somebody who's 20 and is just leaving college or something like that, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Or, or maybe about to leave college in the next year. That's something that like, I, I don't, I'm trying not to have, uh, regrets really because, uh, to your, to your unintentionally stoic point, you know, like what, these are all things that have already happened. I can't do anything about them. Like, you know, right. There's no sense you know, wasting mental energy on them or anything like that. But at the same time, I've always naturally been so concerned about the decisions or the things that I do today being major problems in the future. And right. I don't know what, where I got this level of anxiety from about that. And and I think that, you know, if, if uh, listeners go back into the creative, I strategize, synergize, it's like, you, you can just see it all over the place. You know, it's just like, I'm so concerned about doing something that honestly would probably just end up being a blip in the timeline. But I'm so concerned about, you know, that like ruining my life or something like that or really doing deep setbacks. So you, you're essentially, you, you kind of had a little bit more, uh, you, you don't describe yourself as an anxious person. Do you ever find yourself encountering these sorts of ideas or these sorts of thoughts or not, not so much? Well, I think for me, it's always like, it's going to be something like something's always going to happen. So just accepting that. And, and I don't feel like it's gotten easier with time. I do feel like the things that are happening kind of are bigger problems to deal with. Yeah. So like, uh, 20 years ago, it was like, where am I going to find a audio guy Mm -hmm. or am I going to find an actor nowadays? It's like, what is my movie? How is my movie going to impact society? How is it going to, you know, be included in a conversation about the social change that our country is going through. Yeah. So it's, 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 I feel like there's always going to be obstacles to overcome. You just got to be persistent. And if it's, you know, your true path, you should be able to deal with it all and not have to, you know, put yourself back or pull yourself back because you don't, you're afraid to tackle that issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly the, if I could, uh, somehow go back in time and give myself that, uh, advice, I certainly would. Uh, but like, that's kind of the beautiful thing of it, right. Is that through this podcast or through mainly through creative eyes, uh, as we said, that was kind of my arc and then what's occurring now, uh, you know, the best part is, is that like, yeah, I probably could have used that advice back at like 20 or something like that, because I certainly, uh, was, paralyzed for periods of time but you know i can certainly but also you're you're kind of like 20 during like a really awful time (laughs) like i feel like this country has kind of been definitely going downhill the last 20 years if you think about it (laughs) yeah i mean we've had multiple economic crashes you know yeah housing markets bubbles bursts education costs are at all-time high right you know we're so divisive and it's kind of this this world where you you have to be anxious yeah i mean that that certainly didn't contribute well to my like my perspective on things right because i naturally always felt like playing it safe and or or i only knew people who played it safe you know what i mean i don't have any entrepreneurs in my family i don't have any uh you know i don't even have anyone in my family necessarily who's like into business of any kind whether it be creative whether it be you know whatever i don't really have anybody who's like that it's it's all people who kind of followed one singular kind of trajectory and now the problem is is even that trajectory is essentially blowing up right like what right. is academics now what is you know because a, a firm part of it is like research of course but then another firm part of it is um teaching and is that I mean, 
you can't justifiably say that I should be paying 50000 a semester for Harvard if we're all taking the same online courses, right? Like that's, right. It seems kind of so, – so even that landscape has – the tectonics of it have majorly shifted. So even the things that I was anxious about when I was 20 – They're no 10, more. Yeah, 10 years ago are no more. You know, so it, it, I, I can certainly see your, your perspective there. But like – But I also on, grew up – I grew up at a time where it was anything's possible. Mm. You know, because things were going great. You know, the economy was great. Anything seemed possible and achievable and all that fun stuff. But nowadays, it's kind of uh, less that. Mm. Like, no one's saying that anymore. You could do whatever you want to do. Yeah. I feel like people are saying other things. Hmm. And and do you think that, that that impacts the way people kind of perceive their own timelines or the way people perceive, like, you know, what am I go- like if I have these two options, they're much more likely to take the safe route than they are to do something a little bit more risky and adventurous that might reap rewards. I think people are asking more of what are, is being asked of them. I do feel like a lot of people are asking for more value and what's being provided to them. And it's making people be more vocal mm. as to what they want out of the world and out of society. And I feel like older generations are looking at that as being entitled, but it's, it's something that has kind of been like shoved in the back burner that no one's been talking about forever. Yeah. And now we're kind of been awakened to this thing where we need actually something out of my education, not just a piece of paper that doesn't get me anything anymore. Right. You know, I need to know that if I make a movie, people are going to watch it. You know, Mm. I'm not just going to be doing this to appease my, you know, close friends and families. Like I want to build an audience. How do I get to do that? Uh, how can I not do that? Or why can't I do that? Is it because I'm not the token white guy filmmaker student uh-huh. that went to UCLA and his uncle got him the job at Paramount or whatever. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a weird, it's not a weird time in the world. It's, it's definitely a big shift. Yeah. Huh, well, on the... On the subject of uh, education, you've always kind of struck me as an... I know you did go to film school. A little bit, yeah. But you always kind of struck me as an autodidact, sort of like like a, a really self-taught sort of person. Um, I know that you've had like a mentor here or a mentor there, really, who kind of, you know... But how did you figure out kind of the early steps of your, you know, what would eventually become your ramen profitable? Well, first of all, have you always been known as Elephant Scout? Has that been the thing since the jump or what what occurred there? It hasn't. It's been... I don't remember when Elephant Scout happened, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. always Elephant Scout. Mm Mm-hmm. There was something else before that, and it's embarrassing, and I do not want to say what it is. All right, we won't. We won't. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for a special uh, episode sure, down the line. Sure, we, sure, we won't. But <laughs> I think what it, what I don't know. I, I've I've always thought people get caught up in names uh-huh. a little too much. Yeah, and I think this goes with my idea that uh, if you don't deal with it now, you're not going to move forward. Yeah, and so coming up with a name, I know a lot of people put a lot of thought into it, and you know what. Vowels are we taking out of this word so it looks cool? And what's the logo <laughs> going to look like? And I think it's important to put thought into that for sure. But if you're sitting around for a year trying to come up with a name, are you really? What are you doing? Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, that's that's certainly like a fair, and especially now, because uh, what was the original idea that I had for the rebrand name that was already taken? Oh, that everybody had. Yeah. Uh. Something with, what is it? Are you looking up? The Minimum Viable Podcast. Oh, yeah. The Minimum Viable Podcast. Yeah. And then it turns out that that was like already like four podcasts over. Right. Um, yeah. Well, because that's that's like a whole nother consideration, right? Is that the idea actually probably, I would even say, and this isn't true, right? This isn't true, but this is almost true. Podcasts were very much popular when you and I started podcasting with Creative Eye, Strategize, Synergize, but it certainly wasn't as much of a household thing as it is currently. Right. Like, I kind of feel that the coronavirus thing has made it somehow even more, like, ramped it up even more. I might be wrong about that. Um, So now, yeah, it's like not only is you might have the perfect idea for a name, right, but it already might be taken 
a couple times over in this case. So to your point, you know, it doesn't really serve you all that much. And and that's kind of where I have uh, a difficulty. It's like I don't ever want to debut anything until it's perfect in my eyes or like until it's, you know, until I'm like, all right, this is bulletproof. But I realize, of course, that there's also kind of a fallacy in doing that because, A, you're not getting yourself the repetitions that you would need to like, get better. Yeah. Yeah. To get better. It's like you're, you're actively waiting until you have just this perfect thing, but it's like you would never actually understand what that looks like until you're doing it. You know what I mean? Right, There's right. so many intricacies of like actually, you know, doing something that you'll never pick up because you're just sitting and waiting on a concept. And then, you know, like what good does that do you? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of conversations about this earlier this year. A lot of people asked me to work on their projects and it's not because they thought they were exceptional or anything. It's just that they were done and that they were out in the world. Yeah. And I don't feel like I've made perfect movies or movies that look great even. Uh, but I'm making them and I'm putting them out there and I'm getting that feedback so I can do better next time. Right. So it's definitely, it's not, uh, if you wait for perfection, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I, I like, I, that's like kind of a topic or that's something that I certainly want to drill into down the line but almost from like a, a scientific perspective or something, because it's like, I'm curious as to what makes the difference between one person and another in that, how one person can entirely, one could argue because obviously like Michael Jordan, uh, I just watched the last dance. So it's top of mind. Right. Right. We all have, um, which like, I don't really give a shit about basketball. So that's the other thing. It's like this, interesting dichotomy where I don't care about basketball, but I find Michael Jordan very fascinating as a person. Okay. Okay. Uh, at some point in time, right? Like one could argue that Michael Jordan is probably an immensely talented person, but at some point in time, like especially when he was in high school or something like that, there was probably like the differences were minuscule between him and another player or him. And, and it all kind of just has to do more with that commitment. Like, you know, when did he, ideate that he was going to be a professional basketball player and therefore it required all his focus and he would just spend more time out there and you know whatever it's like it's like how did that transformation occur from your last employment into you know the precursor to elephant scout which shall go unnamed it's like how did that transformation occur where you you kind of did you always maybe you always knew that this was something you wanted to do but then you were just like all right I'm going to commit to starting my own business or how did that occur for you for me, it was, what do I need to do to keep moving forward? And it, I, it all happened when I went to this uh, screenwriting conference in California. It was um, definitely a money grab for the screenwriting world because <laughs> it's, you know, you don't need to read all those books and it's it's all malarkey. Yeah. But I was sent, because I was doing an internship for this, there's a script doctor here in town. With, and a script, script doctor. Is, doctor? Yeah. They are someone that uh, like gives you notes on your script, basically. Oh, okay. And they, uh, I think it's different anywhere you look, but he is a script consultant. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, someone sends him the script, he gets paid money, he reads it, he says, this is bad, this isn't working, do this, and then they go rewrite it. Mm -hmm. So I was interning for him, and then he sent me to this conference because he had free tickets, and I'm like, sure, I'm down for anything with free tickets. <laughs> and there's this one class, it was called the Two-Day Film School, and it was presented by this guy named Dove S.S. Simmons. If you look him up, he looks... Crazy. He looks insane. How do you spell like Dove? How do you spell that? D O V. And he has this class, and he just yells at everybody the whole time. And it's uh, it was a hilarious class, and I just thought it was funny. There was some lady in there that asked him to speak up because he wasn't using the microphone, and he uh -huh. yelled at her, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to speak up. You want to hear me? You move closer. This whole front row's empty. If you can't hear me, you move up here." And the lady uh -huh. did. And it was like, "Oh, that's crazy." Like, what's going on here? This guy's not uh, winning us over with his uh, charm. Yeah, His yeah, charisma, yeah. you know? He's not selling it to me. He's instead making it an asset that, like, I want. Right. So the, the, the big thing, the, from the, my big takeaway from that class was you want to make, you have this movie that you've written and it's sitting in your drawer and you've been working on it for 20 years or however long you've been writing this screenplay. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's your baby. And you've never made anything else before. It's like what you got to do is you got to take that script and throw it in a drawer. And you got to make a movie for like a hundred bucks. So you just take two people, sit them in a room, have them talk for two hours. And boom, you made a movie. Put it out in the world, see what people say. And then if you want to make 
your uh, movie idea, you need to like work your way up to it. So let's say you made a hundred dollar movie, then you want to make a million dollar movie. What do you need to do to make a million dollar movie? Make a hundred thousand dollar movie. And what do you need to do to make a hundred thousand dollar movie? You need to make a ten thousand dollar movie. So you're kind of proving to yourself and to everybody else that you can make these movies and you're worth the investment and the the risk and the chance of an investment of a million dollars, which mm. isn't that much in the in the movie world. Yeah. Take your word for it. But that that kind of just really resonated with me. It's like, of course, no one's going to give me a million dollars straight off the bat. I haven't done anything yet. Yeah. So I got to do something cool. So I've been slowly trying to work up to the point where I can make something that'll get me that. What is the word I'm looking for? Credibility mm. uh, and be worth that investment. So it's not about me as a filmmaker. It's about me being credible to the world. Yeah, see, see, that's interesting that you phrase it like that because one could see from an outside perspective or one could argue that that's ultimately the same thing that I'm going for, right? But I think that I might be looking for it or I used to at least be looking for it in all the wrong places, uh-huh. which is that I continually just felt that like, oh, no, 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 no one's going to take me seriously unless I have this degree, like unless I have this thing or whatever. And then once I get that, then that will lend a level of credibility or like that I am the person that should be doing X, Y, and Z. But I've realized that all the things that I kind of wanted to accomplish or the things that I wanted to do aren't the kinds of things that lend themselves to that sort of like what could be called like paper credibility, right? Like, right. like for instance, you could... Um, it's it's kind of like to give a, a shit example. Uh, well, actually, not not so much a shitty example. This is a decent analogy. It's like, d- have you seen? Um, I I don't know if it exists there anymore because I haven't been to a this part of Tucson in a long time. And then even back when I was in Tucson, I don't think it existed. But do you remember? Um, this was back when Coffee Exchange was still there on Grant and Campbell. Uh-huh. Um, which like man, good times. Uh. Uh, do you remember that up the street on Campbell? So like heading north on Campbell, there was a uh, there was like something something Tucson bartending school. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I don't know if it still exists or if it's been replaced by something else or whatever. But basically, there was kind of this this interesting thing that it's like, and of course, not the whole world works like this, right? Like nobody wants a doctor who hasn't actually been to doctor school, right? Right, like, right exactly. Like nobody wants a doctor who hasn't been to doctor school. But a lot of the world, at least, works in kind of a similar fashion. What I ended up seeing happen was that I didn't have any experience doing any of that kind of shit. I worked security at a nightclub for a while. And then uh, I worked as a server for this one guy, Ralph, in Tucson. I ended up moving back from L.A., and he just hired me. He was just like, all right, uh, just do a couple weeks as a as a busser while we train you, and then you can start serving at this restaurant downtown. And so I started doing that, and then over time I was a bartender and yada, yada, yada. They actively would turn away applications from people who had, like, were just like, oh, I, I uh, went to this bartending school and I'm certified, right? Here's my piece of paper that I can, right. you know, whatever. And the reason why that is is because it's like, oh, great. I know that, you know, at your bartending academy or whatever they call it, that you made a margarita. That's great. You know, that's tops, right? But can you actually reliably give good service when there's like, you know, when you're four people deep or something at a bar, like how does that look? You know, second Saturdays in Tucson are absolutely crazy. Can you actually operate? Can you actually function? Those are the things that matter. And those are the things that they care about. So it doesn't matter what, you know, you, you got from, you know, up the street on Campbell. What matters is like the time that you put into it and kind of the effort that you, or like your abilities have grown over that time. So that's kind of, I mean, it's a, like I said, it's a kind of a weird analogy right but it's like it's a very kind of similar thing to what you're evoking in that it's like look somebody with the budget to give you for an, a million dollar film it's like oh i went to uh you know i don't know i don't know what a good film school is i'm actually way ss simmons today film school <laughs> speaking of I'm, I'm looking at him uh on i'm looking at him on a uh, google image search and he like man i can't even imagine him angry he looks like a like he just looks like he is the type of person and, you know, apologies to the SS Simmons, uh, you know, f- legacy or whatever, if I'm, if I'm, de- but he looks like the type of person who keeps like Jack Daniels and a uh, handgun in his, <laughs> in his drawer. <laughs> you know I what I mean? I wouldn't doubt like, it. I wouldn't doubt it. 
Um, but anyways, it's like, you know, uh, it doesn't matter where you got your film school degree from or something like that. It's like, it's all about, can you responsibly handle this budget? Will you be able to get a good product? Are you good at managing the actors who are going to be, you know, delivering that, like delivering their performance, which then makes this end product? Can you cut these things together? Can you collaborate with these people effectively? You know, how good are you at keeping your artistic vision while also negotiating the things that we need to see in a movie? And, you know, all those kinds of things. Like you're saying essentially those are kind of the components. You end up getting the repetitions on those things while you're making your $100 movie, while you're making your $10,000 movie so on and so forth exactly because it's you know a lot of you know definitely on paper is one thing but also in person is another thing and depending on your level of experience and how much you've been practicing your craft and your art if you have let's say this the degree Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of people just have degrees but how many people have experience how many people have experience and a degree how many people have a positive experience where something they created was profitable Mm-hmm. Or how many people have experience where they've created multiple things they've all failed except for the one new thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so how are they growing from those experiences and those downfalls and all that fun stuff? Yeah. So one could say that, you know, this, the idea of, you know, like ramen profitable, you know, whatever, that's not step one. You know what I mean? That's, that's step like three or something like that, where you've at least fucked up a couple times first where you've not hit that stage. Right. Because it sounds, uh, yeah, because being a creative person, you are definitely in the negative from day one. You're not making it, you're not making any money. You're spending all your money. You have to, you know, you're buying equipment, you're borrowing equipment, you're, you're getting favors from friends left and right, and you're not really paying anybody. So you feel like you owe them something. Hmm. And so you're, you're kind of in the negative from day one. And I feel like now when you get to the point where, you know, you've made your $100 movie and your $10,000 movie. Now you're trying to make your $100,000 movie. You can pay people. Yeah. You have, uh, you know, new people to answer to. And you, you're at a, a space where you can finally pay yourself something. So you can just focus on this project and get it to be what you, uh, to align more with what's inside your head than what you can make happen with what little you have. Because mm. executing ideas is easier when you have more money, obviously. Right. Yeah, obviously. But, but you still have ideas with motivations. And so if I have no money, I can still attempt to make something that presents those ideas, but it's not going to be the same as if I had a million dollars. Right. Right. But the hmm. intention is going to be there. And uh, intention matters sometimes more than, than your budget or than your experience, perhaps. Or at least it, it's getting you on the right track. I think the intention is what's going to drive you forward and keep you on track and make you more uh i want i don't i want to say charismatic but relatable i think because hmm. like you were saying earlier how the stories you know that are my movies have been telling you can relate to them better sure yeah right and so it's like if i if i tell a different type of story are you going to relate to that story as well are you still going to want to watch it mm. you know it's the if i pivot off my usual path of what I'm comfortable in storytelling or what I want the stories I want to tell. And I pivot to a new movie just because it's there and an opportunity. It's not going to be as, uh, true or what's the word I'm looking for. I mean, I was going to say authentic, but I feel like that's such a played out, you know, right. Authentic. (laughs) (laughs) All dente. All dente. Perfect. Yeah. Um, that's, that's an interesting way to think about that and an interesting way to sort of put that in that, like in, in that sort of, in that way, then it's actually the, and, and this is something that's evoked. I mean, I'm going to do another book reference here, but I think that that's something that's ultimately evoked in uh, the book, the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday, um, mentor or, or no mentee of, uh, Robert green, but that's a whole different thing. Um, but in, in the book, the obstacle is the way, I mean, you can kind of, it's again, echoing the stoic philosophy. I'm really, uh, uh, I think you're, you're going to go down in history as the unknowing stoic. Like I, like it's, it's impressive to me that it's like, it's like, no, I don't know what the fuck, you know, I, I don't read Epictetus or Epictetus or whatever, however the fuck you say his name. We should get your mom on the podcast and find out. No, cause I think she's wrong. 
right. I want to see you argue about this. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> we can do that as a, as a special uh, holiday episode when I go back to Tucson and I'm just going to fucking argue with my mother for I like it. two and a half days. Um, well, so, well, but it's just an interesting idea that you're actually like such a, you're so aligned with Stoic philosophy, but not actually a student of Stoic philosophy. It's, it's like such a weird thing that it's like, man, I, I read about these concepts and then I struggle to like align myself to this way of thinking. And meanwhile, you're like natural born somehow. You just, you just kind of a natural born Stoic. Yeah. A natural born Stoic. Um, I'd like to, uh, you know, in future episodes, I definitely want to dive into like the nitty gritty because I think that one of the things that certainly I struggle with and and what I think a lot of people do is that that kind of like you're an autodidact. You kind of teach yourself. So like you formed an LLC. You just di- like did it. Like I definitely want to kind of uh, what what are the phrases people use these days? Drill down into or double click on as people say these. You know what I mean? Have you heard any of those phrases? Uh, and like ads right isn't that like a tagline in an ad uh it's well i'm just hearing it so much at work these days honestly where they're like yeah that's a that's an interesting we're definitely gonna have to double click on that we're gonna have to you know whatever meaning that like we're gonna go into it and expand it more in a different meeting oh uh, i've heard that in the express as uh we're gonna table that Mm, okay table that you know whatever um but kind of uh here's here's a an arc like my ongoing arc, because I think that uh, the the goals and the intentions of the Ramen Profitable podcast is kind of like like where creative creativize strategize and synergize was the the podcast for or the business side for creatives or what was the tagline again? The business, business side, side being, of being a creative. creative, yeah, right. So whereas now, if uh, both of these podcasts can and should exist simultaneously, which I certainly agree with. Then uh, I think the the side that you know I've always been more focused on, and the thing that like obviously is is more directly in my immediate mind is like that idea of um, of being in a sense self made, and, and like how to reach that like like the idea of like pursuing ramen profitability is is the same thing. It goes hand in hand for me, right? Of uh-huh. being independent and being you know whatever like which is an entirely different lifestyle than I've previously as- ascribed or subscribed to. Subscribed, not ascribed, because ascribed would be to myself. Right, but, so uh, please subscribe. Yeah, like please please subscribe up. and thumbs up. But, uh, but uh, you know, certainly the arc that's going for me, maybe for uh, next episode, I'd love to get some thoughts on something. I actually have a physical object. Well, I don't know if you would call it that. I have a, I have a product. That for me is the jumping off point. It's the it's the one hundred dollar movie, right? Okay. It's the one hundred dollar movie. It'd be my first time at bat. It'd certainly be my first time at bat with any of these, this kind of a thing. But this will be kind of the arc for me. Like as we discuss these ideas of you know kind of starting up a, a business, whether creative or otherwise, kind of gaining that independence, all these kinds of things. As we talk about these larger ideas in the background. This is going to be something that uh, I'm going to be working on, although I'm not sure how much of a place it has in um, the COVID-19 world. So, it Well, that world's really... not going to be forever. And I've been having Presumably. this conversation a lot where it's like, well, I can't make anything right now, but I can definitely plan something out. I can definitely write things. Right, so, exactly. Uh, so if I want to feel like I'm still moving forward on my goals, that's what I do. I make a list. I'm like... This is a new story I want to tell. How do I tell this story? Mm, I so, like that. so I make these things called production packets, and they're just binders with like a script and storyboards and costume ideas and location ideas. So it's kind of all pre-planned. Mm. So if someone magically showed up with a hundred thousand dollars, we can here's a hundred thousand dollar production packet. Let's make this movie. Mm. That's a, I I like that. So far, I've got a um, notebook full of notes, uh, which is my typical first, first uh, go ahead. So what I was thinking next week on the podcast, on the Ramen Profitable podcast, not only will uh, I be asking further questions about how you first set up primordial elephant scout as it'll be known for the time being until uh one day i ply you with enough for net to figure out what the 
original <laughs> name was. You'll Not hate only it. will I, you'll hate that, it. That, yeah. ma- that makes me even more excited to figure it out. <laughs> So not only will I be plying you with more uh, kind of questions and, and, you know, probing you for ideas about how you initially set up Primordial uh, Elephant Scout or Elephant Scout V1, if you will, but um, also I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna be uh, getting your first impressions on my uh, currently not ramen profitable. In fact, right now it's in the negative because I bought all the resources that I would need. Uh, most of them are, most of them are here already. Some of them are still coming in. So I uh, am currently in the negative, just like you started in the negative. So we'll see uh, We'll see how that goes. But Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. So that's uh, next week on the Ramen Profitable Podcast.